I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. The faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Sometimes the best best words you're ever going to get is from somebody that you don't even know. Hallelujah. Tonight might be the, that, that night. Amen? Amen. Let's clap our hands and pass it. Hallelujah. Come on, let's really do that. Let's give the Lord a really good hand clap of praise. Come on, lift your voice to Him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise your wonderful name. There is a sweet presence of the Holy Ghost in here tonight. I'm very thankful for what I feel. I'm glad to see all of our guests in here this evening. Bless you. I'm not going to try to say your names because I'll mess them up. It is such an honor to, to have you in here this, morning, this evening. Sorry I wasn't here this morning. and some complications. But I'm here tonight. I'm excited for what the Lord is going to do. I had the opportunity to drive to South Bend Friday. And I was in a small service, a small church. We ended up preaching there yesterday. And, uh, you know, when you're in the middle of something, preaching sometimes, we, we feel like we're defeated because nothing happened. It was a little discouraging. Matter of fact, about halfway through, I know you're going to know what I'm talking about, but halfway through, I thought, they're not even listening. Nothing's going to happen. What's, why am I even here? Then we got to the altar call, and after the altar call was over, nothing had happened. And I was a little bit confused and discouraged. Somebody drops a question, and I thought, here's my door. So I started talking about Jesus' name, baptism, which that was about half of my message. And they didn't listen. But I started talking to them, and the Lord fell. And this morning, I'm hoping He baptized all four of those people that were sitting there in Jesus' name. But the Lord brought revelation to those people. One lady had been baptized over 40 years ago. And she began to weep. And she began. To, she was frustrated. She thought. She said, "I have been baptized completely wrong." And she said, "I am mad about it." She said, "I need to be baptized in Jesus' name." And the pastor messaged me that today. He said, "I have a plan. I don't know if it's a good idea or not. I hope he." didn't have an electric cord on his on his microphone but he said I'm going to preach from inside the baptistry so I said well what is the, are you baptizing anybody he goes I don't know but he said just in case I get to now that is faith He was going to stay inside that baptistry until somebody wanted to get baptized. Now, you can preach from where you want to tonight. And I'm all for it. But the Lord is here, 
And the opportunities is here for you to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. And I promise you, your life will be changed for the rest of your life. Amen. It's nothing like being baptized in Jesus' name. And I'm excited for what the Lord is going to do. And I know that Sunday we're having our Friends Day. And there's going to be opportunity for us to baptize somebody in Jesus' name. And it does matter how you're baptized. It's not a waste of time. It's not something we just do. That, that It's an extracurriculum thing. But it's part of our life. And if you want to make it to heaven, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're getting ready to see an influx of souls. And I'm excited for what the Lord is going to do. Amen. I am so glad to have Brother Michael Moppin with us tonight. Him and I go way back. He knew me when I was not so nice person. And I, I hope and pray that he has a bad memory. And some of the things that um, he used to see out of me. And I just want him to know I have been baptized in Jesus' name. And uh, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost a few times since then. Not baptized, but filled with the Holy Ghost. And so just don't judge me. But this guy knew me at my worst. And but he's here. And I'm thankful to have him, thankful uh, for his ministry. He is a powerful, powerful preacher of the gospel. And I'm very thankful for him. Please preach with him tonight. Pentecostal church would be extremely boring if we had simply just an exciting preacher and didn't have anybody to preach with them. Amen. So I know he's going to preach really good, but I know he'll preach extra good if you get behind him. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise as Brother Moppin comes and preaches to us. Let's give the Lord a great praise all across this house. Come on, He's worthy of my praise. He's worthy of my worship. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, God. I glorify you. I exalt you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The great God He is. What an amazing Savior that we serve. And I'm so thankful that I know Him tonight. And I'm glad to be here tonight. Thank you for this opportunity. And to give honor to your pastor and his wife and family and leadership and ministry of this church. Uh, not only did I know him back then, he knew me back then. So I'm thankful that he's allowing me to be in his pulpit tonight. Uh, we were both younger, single, no kids, had more hair. I was thinner. Still thin, but so we go way back and uh, give honor to him. He's a great guy, great friend, and love and appreciate him. And uh, did these young people bless us? Uh, music tonight, give them a hand. It's good to see Brother Adonis here. I, we were blessed to be together a few years ago in Illinois at a good event and got to meet him. It's good to see him again, other friends in the crowd. God is good. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah, the 54th chapter. Within this chapter, you will find one of the most quoted 
scriptures from pulpits to prayer closets. And it simply says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But I want you to go to the scripture right above that scripture. Verse number 16 is where I want to take my message from tonight. Isaiah 54 and 16. God says, Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the waster to destroy. God said, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, that bringeth forth an instrument. And so I want to preach to you for just a few minutes tonight on this simple thought, the maker of the smith. Would you set your Bibles down and lift your hands and hearts to heaven and let's talk to him one more time. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your power. God, I'm asking you to anoint me to preach your anointed word. Speak to us tonight, God. Touch every heart, every life, every situation, every problem that is here in this house tonight. And Lord, let us leave here encouraged and strengthened by your word and by your presence. And Lord, I ask you to speak into every heart and every mind right now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord another hand clap of praise? And the Bible says not only to clap your hands, but shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Can you do that for just a moment? Thank you. You may be seated in this house tonight. A smith, a blacksmith, a worker in metal, a maker. A smith's work is done on an anvil. Forging and forming by heating and pounding. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 44, 12 says this about the smith. The smith with the tongs both worketh in the coals and fashioneth it with hammers and worketh it with the strength of his arms. So we understand tonight that the job of the smith is to work, to create, to make. But God said, I have created the smith. I am the maker of the maker. He is the maker of the smith. And because he is the maker of the smith, we don't have to worry. There is no worry about what the smith creates because of who created the smith tonight. Isaiah 45 and 5 says this, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. There's only one God tonight. Then God said, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. And that word evil means adversity. I, the Lord, do all of these things. This maker of the smith said, I create the light and the darkness. I create peace and adversity. He made the day and the night. 
He made the light and the darkness. And don't doubt in the darkness what you believed in the light. And don't forget in the day what you learned in the night. Consider the children of Israel tonight. In Exodus 1 and 12, it says this about them. That the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. The more that they were afflicted, the more that they were beaten, the more that they had a a workload put on them. The Bible says the more that they were afflicted, the stronger they became. The more they grew. See, this is the moment when Satan's plan becomes God's purpose. Because God is in the business of taking the curse and turning it into a blessing. While Satan is planning the problem, God has already planned the provision. And it was in the bondage that these children of Israel, even though they didn't understand what they were going through, and even though they didn't understand why God would let them be in slavery, what they didn't understand was that God was making them greater than they've ever been before. Can I tell somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight, what you're going through right now, you may not understand it, and it may seem like a struggle, but you're coming out stronger than you you've ever been before. You're coming out greater than you've ever been before. And not only that, but they learned skills and trades as slaves in Egypt that they would later use to make the wilderness tabernacle and all of its furnishings. And they would soon pass those skill sets along to their descendants and they would create the temple of the Lord. See, we need to understand we learn things in bad times that will eventually be used by God to fulfill our purpose in his kingdom. God created the wilderness. God created the Red Sea. God created the Jordan River. God created the builder of the walls of Jericho. But none of them could stop God's people. He used 40 years of wandering in a wilderness to remove the problems of Egypt so that he could put inside of them the promises of Canaan. We could just ask the three Hebrew boys tonight. God created the fire. Because he's the maker of the smith. But he did not allow the fire to harm them. See, you need to understand, he may let you go in the fire, but he will not let the fire hurt you. As a matter of fact, if you remember the story correctly, the king got up off of his throne and he said, Did we not throw in three bound into the midst of the fire? Because now I see four loosed. When they come out of the fiery furnace, their clothes aren't burned. Their hair isn't singed. The only thing that burned off of them in the fire was the ropes that had them bound. Could it be the reason you're in a fiery furnace tonight? God's not going to let you be harmed. He's not going to let you be burnt. But he's trying to loose you a things that have you bound. He's trying to loose you of some things that are keeping you from becoming who he wants you to become tonight. 
Isaiah 43 says this, But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters. Notice the verbiage here. When. Not if. But when. It's not if I pass through the waters, it's when I pass through the waters. When thou pass through the waters, he's the maker of the smith. He created the waters. I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King, that saith to the Lord, that saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. God did not say that I'll keep you from having to go through the water. He did not say, I'll keep you from having to go through the fire. He simply said, because I am the maker of the smith, I will make the fire and I will make the water. But because I made it, it will not harm you. It will not destroy you. You may have to go through it, but it will not destroy your life. I don't know about you, but I get excited when I think about the maker of the smith tonight, that he's got it all under control. And yes, I might have to go through a trial. Yes, I might have to go through a test. But he's already promised that no weapon that's formed against me, he'll let it be formed. He'll let it try. He'll let it come at me. But because he's the one who made the smith, who made the weapon, no weapon that's formed against me will prosper tonight. Daniel could testify because God created the lions, but he also shut their hungry mouths. The disciples quickly discovered that the creator of the wind and the waves also rebuked the storm. Because he isn't just a storm calmer, but he's also a storm causer sometimes. He's the maker of the mountain and the valley. But rest assured, he goes through it and with you. Through both. He's the God of the mountain and the God of the valley tonight. And I know what the scripture says. I know that we have power to speak to the mountain and cast it into the sea. But sometimes we better see what's on the mountain. Because the view may be worth the climb. And some mountains aren't worth, are, are not made to be cast out. Some mountains are made for us to climb up tonight. In the book of Job, when Job was presented, Satan said, I'm looking for somebody. And God could have rebuked him. But you know what God did? God said, Have thou considered my servant, Job? Look at my boy. He's perfect. He does great. He hates evil. He loves me. And two times God does this to Job. 
And through all of it, Job loses everything. Job loses all ten children in one moment. He loses all of the money, all the wealth, all of the possessions and animals and livestock that he had. And everything is gone in one moment. And we look at that story and we say, God, you could have rebuked Satan. You could have kept him from having to go through those things. But God is the maker of the smith. He's the one that even created Satan. But through the story of Job, we understand that Satan can only touch us when God allows it. God permits it, but Satan produces it. And God is the one that lets us go through tests, trials, and sicknesses. And the reason he allows us to go through these things is so that we will learn to trust in him. And you know why he'll allow you to go through it? Because he trusts you tonight. If you're going through a test or a trial, God trusts you tonight. You're trusted to be tried. You're trusted to be tested. Because he would not let you go through what you're going through if he didn't already know the end story. If he didn't already know that you're going to make it out of it. So if you're going through a test or a trial tonight, I wish you'd put a little bit of a smile on your face and understand that the maker of the Smith believes in me. The maker of the Smith knows that I can make it. He already knows that I'm coming out of this shining like pure gold. And the enemy may try to destroy me, but the maker of the Smith is going to make me victorious through it all. So you can't have a testimony if you never have a test. You can't have a message if you don't go through some messes. God always gives his hardest battles to his most trusted warriors. See, if I'd never been sick, I'd never know him as a healer. If I'd have never had a problem, I would have never known him as a problem solver. If I'd have never lost my way, I would never know him as a way maker. See, the maker of the smith is not trying to hurt you or harm you tonight. He's trying to help somebody. Let me break it down even further. God doesn't have any needs. He doesn't really need you or me. He's God all by himself. He's the all-sufficient one. He's the great I am. He, he doesn't need anything. But for God to show us his power and his strength, he needs a need, and so God creates a need. In, in John, the ninth chapter... Jesus passes by a man that the Bible says was blind from birth. And his disciples do what we do when we see somebody in trouble. Whose fault is this, Jesus? Did he sin? Did his mama sin? Did his daddy sin? Why is this man blind? And Jesus answers and says... Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifested in him. What that young man that was born blind didn't realize was, 
that the maker of the smith, before he was ever born, God said, there's going to be a day I'm going to be walking in human flesh as Jesus Christ. And there's going to be a blind man on the side of the road. And his blindness is not because I don't like him. His blindness is not because I don't love him. But I'm going to let him be born blind. I'm not going to try to keep him from, from being blind because I've got to create a need that day so that I can show my disciples, so that I can show everybody there that day that I'm a God who can heal blinded eyes. And can I tell you tonight that the reason you're going through what you're going through is the maker of the Smith is creating a need for you to need him that he can show you just how strong he is so he can show you just how powerful he is so he can show you that he can do anything that you need him to do in your life tonight see most miracles start out as a mess so he in turn makes the smith that makes the weapon That tries to destroy us. He creates a need. He creates the smith. And he lets the smith create a weapon. And it's the weapon that creates. That he creates. That creates a need. For us to need him. It's a weapon of fear. It's a weapon of doubt. A weapon of hurt. A weapon of sickness. A weapon of failures and faults. A weapon of disappointment. A weapon of heartache. A weapon of family problems and marital problems. A weapon of financial despair. But because he creates the smith that creates the weapon, it will not prosper in your life tonight. In Acts the 8 chapter, Satan creates a weapon. And it comes in the form of a self-righteous Pharisee by the name of Saul. The Bible says that Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about Stephen. He held the, the coats of those that stoned Stephen. And at the time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So the apostolic book of Acts church is having unprecedented revival. Thousands are being added to the church. People are repenting and being baptized in Jesus' name. People are being filled with the Holy Ghost. Miracles, signs, and wonders are happening. And Satan gets mad. And Satan tries to use Saul, someone who thought he was doing the work of God, to destroy The apostolic church. He even had letters in his hand. Death warrants on his way to Damascus when he was eventually converted. But Satan creates this. The smith creates a weapon called Saul. And God allows it to happen. And at the moment, everyone begins leaving Jerusalem. They start scattering because of the persecution. They start leaving and they start going into the regions of Judea and Samaria, places that they didn't want to go, places that they would have never went 
if it wasn't for the persecution. If we stop reading right there, it looks like the Smith has created the ultimate weapon that has stopped the book of Acts church. But you can't stop there because there's a verse number four that says, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Persecution is an ingredient of increase. Persecution is an ingredient for revival. If they had never been persecuted and it had to endure the pain, the gospel would have stayed in Jerusalem and it would have never spread to other regions. So what the Smith created, he didn't know that the maker of the Smith had other purposes for the weapon. And can I tell you tonight that what the Smith has tried to destroy you with, God's getting ready to take it and use it for his purpose and use it for his glory. Because that Saul later became Paul and became the greatest apostle of them all and wrote almost all of the New Testament. Can it be tonight that the weapon that won't be used, that won't be formed, that will be formed, that won't be used, that will try to destroy me. It will. God will take it and use it for His purpose. And God will use it for His glory tonight. Oh, hallelujah. He never said that He would never let it happen. He never said that He would never create a smith. He never said that He wouldn't let the smith create a weapon. But He simply says, I won't let that weapon prosper tonight. No wonder Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 8, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. There's a weapon. I'm troubled, but I'm not distressed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaking. I'm cast down, but I'm not destroyed. In other words, Paul was saying, God, may I let these weapons come against me, but I'm still fighting. I'm still living to fight another day. I'm still standing. I'm still here. And I can't help but think tonight that there's somebody in this house that you've been having the weapons of hell that's been forged and formed against you. That you just needed a little encouragement. You just needed a little hope. You just need a little reminder that yes, it may be forged. Yes, it may be created. But it will never prosper tonight. As we stand and I draw to a close, back to our original text. Once again, God said, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire. And that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. Verse 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And it doesn't, that, that's the only part that we ever quote, but that's not where the end of the scripture is. It says, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. What a promise tonight. What a glorious hope we have in Him. What a powerful, powerful hope that we have and a promise that we have that the maker of the smith, yes, He'll make the smith, and yes, the smith will make a weapon, but that weapon will not prosper tonight.
In other words, you're coming out of this tonight. In other words, what you thought was going to destroy you, God's only going to make it to make you stronger than you've ever been before. In other words, what you thought was the end of the story is just the beginning of another chapter because the maker of the smith is stepped into your situation and he's not going to let anything happen to you that he's not going to take and use for his glory tonight. Every head bow, every eye closed all across this house. I wonder tonight, is there somebody in this place? You've been going through a struggle. You've been going through a trial. You've been going through a test. It seems the weapons that have been formed against you are prospering. It seems that the weapons that's been formed are bringing destruction to your life. But I hope that you know that through the preached word tonight, that that weapon will not prosper. Because the one who made the weapon is made by the one we're serving tonight. And because he's the maker of the smith, he controls not only what the smith makes, but he controls what that thing can do in your life. And God is not in the business of destroying his people. Yes, he'll let you go through some things, but it's not, like I said, it's not to hurt you or harm you. It's to help you tonight. So I believe that God is wanting to release that maker of the smith tonight. He's wanting to release the supernatural strength in this service. He's wanting to release and hope and encouragement in this service tonight. So that some of you that have been struggling with the weapon that the smith has created can go home tonight reassured. Able to lay your head down on a pillow and understand the maker of the smith has it all under control. So as they get ready to sing here in just a moment, I wonder, would you step out of your seat? Make your way down to an altar and allow the maker of the smith to touch your life right now. To wrap his loving arms around you. To whisper peace and hope and strength and encouragement into your spirit right now. Come on, he's here for somebody. He's here to strengthen somebody right now. He's here to touch a life right now. He's here to strengthen a marriage. He's here to touch a home. He's here to heal somebody. He's here to minister to someone's need. What the Smiths try to destroy you with, God is going to make you greater than you've ever been. What the Smith tried to destroy you with, God's going to take it and use it for His glory. You don't understand why you're going through it. You don't understand why God's allowing you to go through it. But through the preached word tonight, I hope you understand God's got a purpose and God's got a plan for your life. Come on, that's it. Maybe you're not going through a, t- through a trial right now, but you've been through one and you understand that it's going to be all right. Would you come and pray for somebody that's going through one tonight? Would you come lay hands on somebody and pray for them and speak hope into their situation?